Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. In today's episode, we'll be looking back at the first round of the DFB Pokal and one or two surprises and one or two not surprising surprises. Like for the Bochum's early demise, predicted on the show, you'll remember, last week. There'll also, of course, be time to look at Harry Kane's debut at Bayern. A first trophy chance for the ex-Spurs player and a 3-0 defeat. We'll be looking at all the fallout. We'll also be talking about Maccabi Berlin, a Jewish club in the DFB Pokal for the first time ever. Their chairman, Michael Koblenz, will be with us. And of course, your questions, dear listener. All of this and a bit more in this week's edition of Beer and Honey. Well, hello, dear listener. I'm Raphael Honigstein. And I'm Christoph Biermann. And thank you very much for tuning in to Beer and Honey once again on the eve of the new Bundesliga season, but already football happening, of course, in Germany and lots of stuff to talk about. Um, very important announcement before we get going, though. As you know, we are, of course, reliant on your support as members of the Beer and Honey Supporters Club. Thank you very much if you are already a member. If you're not, I'd urge you to sign up as quickly as you can or become an ultra even because from next Monday, prices are going up. Now, it's nothing really to do with us. Prices are going up across the steady platform by 20%. If you're an existing member of the supporters club you're not affected and if you are signing up before next monday you won't be affected either so if this isn't the best argument to now take out that beer and honey subscription and become a member i don't know what is uh, but if you need another one you'll get a mug if you become an ultra and it is a very beautiful mug i can assure you um okay dial up michi Okay, I'm delighted now to welcome to the Beer and Honey Pod, Michi Koblenz. Michi Koblenz is the chairman of Maccabi Berlin. And Maccabi Berlin did something historic this weekend. They actually took part in the first round of the DFB Pokal after they won their local Berlin Cup to qualify, of course, also for the first time. Now, the game itself was a little bit one-sided. VfL Wolfsburg, who are, of course, a much bigger side with professional players, etc., came there and won 6-0. But that really wasn't the story of the weekend, uh, Michi, was it? Uh, give us a little bit of a flavor of how you experienced the weekend and the bigger significance of this first ever participation of a Jewish club in the DFB Pokal. Well, actually, today, yesterday was uh, 
the highlight of something we have worked to for the last four, six weeks. Because you can imagine for a team which is uh, by far not professional and also uh, the uh, the managers behind the team are by far not professional. They have all their jobs. Uh, to organize such an event uh, is an enormous effort and, and an enormous challenge. I mean, the day we received the handbook of uh, the day of pay, uh, how to uh, arrange uh, a cup game like that one, uh, we were basically all collapsing because <laughs> we, we had no idea. We didn't know. And there were people among us who said, why did we win the local cup? We, <laughs> because these will be the most uh, tragic four, six weeks ahead. Um, But Michi, let me interrupt you. Yeah. What was the most shocking thing you found in this book? I, I can tell you. Uh, you have heard of Sky, right? Yes, of course. Suddenly, people are from Sky are popping up. And I know Sky from Saturdays. Um, I'm on my couch. It's 3.30 and we have Bundesliga conference. Yeah, So this is what I know about Sky. And then guys from Sky come to us and say, what's your thing? Where should we position the cameras? I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, these were things like that, technical questions. And what was completely overwhelming, and I think this was the question of uh, Rafi, we would have never expected the degree of uh, media attention that we received as Maccabi Berlin in the last four or six weeks. We understood that, like right at the beginning, that this will be something unique, something special also to the media and to us anyway. But um, listen, uh, we had uh, articles in Washington Post, in all Israeli magazines and newspapers. We had uh, agencies from Argentina approaching us. I don't speak of the RD documentary, uh, which we had, Süddeutsche Zeitung, Frankfurt Eyes. It was crazy. And like in the media ended up in, with me. And to be honest, I'm not a, a, usually they call me and say in the ask, who is uh, in charge for, for the media in your, in your club? I'm like, nobody. <laughs> so um, I needed to get used to it. So I forgot about my original job. I'm an entrepreneur. I have like 40 employees. They haven't seen me for the last 30 days. So um, to cover uh, this was amazing. It makes me proud. Um, I think the team and us we managed to create something which was something completely unheard of if i'm not mistaken this was the biggest sportive accomplishment of a jewish team outside israel and um, we couldn't be prouder and yesterday uh this was just a highlight to be honest the moment the referee started the game we were just enjoying because uh, the, the result at the end of the, of the day was not relevant to us at all You had 5,000 people in the Momsen Stadion. Uh, uh, I think probably also the biggest uh, support you had in your club history. To be frank, we had 4,500 uh, for the Berlin Cup final. Um, and I think that the atmosphere there, like six weeks ago, was even big, a bit better, like from our end at least. 
tell you why because um we have summer holidays for uh for schools and universities and so forth so so many of our like friends supporters of maccabi there are some somewhere else not another berlin um but still of course five thousand uh spectators is fantastic for for our team and i think the first 20 minutes this was pretty visible to to our players that uh to, to be confronted with such an amazing team and 5,000 spectators was something special. That's not something they're doing every Saturday or Sunday. Michi, tell us a little bit about the, the background of your club, uh, the history of Maccabi uh, in Germany and why this is such a momentous occasion, especially after the, yeah, in, in post-war Germany. The club has been founded 1898 um, under the name Bar Kochba as a as a Jewish club. Has been super popular in the 20s. They had around 40,000 members. Um, Jews were banned from German clubs, so they were pretty much forced to go to create their Jewish clubs and go to and and, and play there. Um, 1938, all Jewish clubs have been banned and the Holocaust came. Um, so there was no Jewish sports since 1945 and then 1970, some very confident, optimistic, courageous Holocaust survivors here in Berlin decided that it's, that the time is ripe for another Jewish club. and. Um, well, the club was uh, not very visible for many, many years. Um, even today, to be frank, we have around 550 members, which is basically nothing compared with the numbers the club had in the 20s of last century. Um, but what makes this achievement so important is the fact that we gained huge visibility in the last weeks and i think this is uh, very very important not only as a club as a but as a jewish community in germany but maybe also in europe and um you know uh, before that event i've been contacted by journalists only if there were any anti-semitic incidences and this was actually the first time that uh we were celebrated and praised for for our sportive success and for the achievements um of our of our sportsmen what's interesting about the team that uh, played in the cup uh, yesterday was um i think there's only one jew in the in 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 the in, in the first team is that true like in the in the starting uh team yes all in all at the moment in the entire squad we have uh, three three Jewish players. But this is this is uh, uh, also very important to us and makes us very proud. We consider ourselves being very open uh, to, to sportsmen and people from different nationalities, faiths. Uh, we're here for diversity and we're we're not a you know we are not a religious club. Yeah. People come there to do sports, but they're aware of Jewish history and uh, Jewish culture. No, so, so so maybe that's also some a bit of yeah it's symbolic that in, in the 30s of last century we've been banned and that's from german teams and that's our learning we um we are open to everyone and people see this so so uh, i think it's a it's a pretty unique feature 
of our club. So, Michi, look, looking back at the actual game and the day yesterday, what kind of reaction did you get in the dressing room after the game? And what kind of pride did you sense among your players having been part of this, despite the result? I think indeed there were some players who've been disappointed, to be honest, because at the end of the day, they're footballers and everybody believes that ah, maybe somehow we can uh, we can win that game. Um, yeah, so so I have seen, to be frank, some, some disappointment, which surprised me, but I think uh, this makes this team even more sympathetic. Uh, but still, at the end of the day, they came, uh, we had like a, some sort of a VIP tent and then they came to the tent afterwards and we were celebrating the team and uh, we had a Jewish Jewish rapper to perform for the team. Uh, I think this this day will stay with them for the years to come. And not only for them, but I think for everybody who was involved in the organization, who, who is part of the club, most probably not only in Berlin, but who's part of the Maccabi movement worldwide. I can tell you, I've got, I received WhatsApp messages from, from Israel. So, hey, we have seen, it was live on, live on free TV in Israel, which is also a huge message. So um, I, have, I have a lot of friends who followed the game. Um, at the end, there's going to be only, only pride. But yes, if you, if you, would have asked our, our footballers yesterday yesterday evening they would have to, uh, told you ah we expected more uh, before we let you go michi um does that this uh, day yesterday probably um create some hunger to be more successful uh, football wise in the in the future i mean you've been promoted last season But is this, uh, would you say, ah, this is a start, we, we, we want to climb higher up the leagues? Or would you say, no, no, um, the most important aspect is the grassroots and uh, to develop us uh, there as a club? What, what's your, especially in the light of, of, of this game uh, yesterday? We are very hungry. <laughs> we are very <laughs> hungry. This means that uh, we have the clear goal to get promoted into Regionalliga uh, this season, um, which is a serious challenge because we have a lot of uh, strong teams in our league and only one team gets promoted. So, um, yes, it's a, it's a challenge, but uh, yes, we are hungry, uh, 100%. But the major challenge of the club is because... Usually you can do one thing, either like promote and push and boost your, your, your I say, semi-professional team or, or you invest into the youth uh, division. Um, we will cope with the challenge to do both because this is indeed um, a problem we are having that um, the youth teams are not there where we want to have them. But we see that the, the success we are experiencing in the last weeks and already months gives us a lot of popularity um, in Berlin and we have new players to join the club uh, also in younger ages. So uh, we are positive to cope with both tasks. Best of luck for that. Thank you so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. It was my Thank pleasure. you. Thank you so much. So that was Michi Koblenz, the chairman of 
Maccabi Berlin fifth division side who took on VfL Wolfsburg in the German Cup. Christoph, not quite an underdog of the size of Maccabi, but perhaps already doomed before the first kick of the ball was your team, VfL Bochum. We talked about them getting knocked out at Arminia Bielefeld, and that's exactly what they accomplished. Were you there? How are you feeling? Is everything okay? Um, everything is okay, thank you. And uh, they should have listened to you because it was the game everybody of us has seen hundreds of times, hundreds of times. So it's like, ah, you're coming to the underdog. I mean, uh, uh, Arminia Bielefeld is now in the third level of German football, relegated twice in the last two years. They had a team uh, where 11 new players uh, were in because Armenia has almost completely changed the squad from last season on only Fabian Klose and a youth player. Fabian Klose, a talismanic uh, striker and uh, a youth player or two have, have stayed. And um, it, it was a classic. I mean, it was, you know, you go to onto the pitch, are a bit sleepy. You're surprised that the underdog is, is energized and so on. You, you get a, a, a sloppy um, a, a first goal that could easily have been prevented. You get another one after a corner and then you start playing football. And um, and actually, Bochum played uh, some nice football, um, uh, equalizing um, in additional time in the second half. And so went to extra time and then nothing happened and and then they lost it on penalties and the penalties uh, Bochum was uh, how they took it. It was uh, uh, actually depressing. Uh, the first goal kick by Philipp Hoffmann. I think some people are still searching for the ball <laughs> as high as it went over the bar. And the second one was... Um, uh, by Kevin Stöger, who was like giving it back to the goalkeeper. Um, it's a classic where you where, where you would say, uh, yes, I would have saved it. Yes, everybody would have saved it because it was so terrible, and uh, and that's it. But as I said, um, I, my, my I, I it's a bit. My impression is that they probably will be able to play better football this season. Um, also in the new structure with uh, a three at the back and, and so on. Uh, but not if they start games again as they did in Bielefeld. And um, so hopefully it's a learning. But um, what I think interest is interesting about um, this first round exit by Bundesliga clubs, it's, it's a bit of an early indicator that seasons can go wrong. Because um, when you look back the years, very often uh, teams that have been uh, relegated at the end of the season have lost in the first round of the German Cup. Like, for example, Hertha last year, um, they, they lost in, in, in Braunschweig in the, in the second division. Uh, Fürth, uh, some years back when they were in the Bundesliga, went out in the first round and, and so on. So... Um, 
Bochum and also uh, Werder Bremen and uh, FC Augsburg that also went out in in uh, um, against uh, teams from lower division from th from the third division actually um, I, I think that should give them some headache. The canary in the coal mine, as we say. Yeah, that's what I was also thinking about. I mean, very very good for for Bochum. I mean, as a as a uh, former coal mining uh, city in in the mid 20s Bochum was the biggest coal mining sitting city in the world uh, producing the most coal that has long gone but uh, the canary hasn't been forgotten but uh, in a way um, hopefully so from my perspective um, uh, hopefully they will learn from that um, but um, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what 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 you think about it, but uh, looking at uh, Bremen um, having had a a not so convincing um, second half of the season uh, last year, Augsburg always have been struggling um, to play some decent football, create goal chances, went out uh, at Unterhaching, promoted to the third division. Uh, Uh, just to add, um, uh, um, Werder went out in Cologne against Victoria, um, and uh, both of them knelt in extra time, not on penalties, but um, Werder losing 3-2 and Augsburg losing 2-0. For Werder, it's really a repetition because they lost against uh, Osnabrück in 22 and against Paderborn uh, last year in the second round. So, Not a great way to start the new season. They had uh, Pieper sent off after just 11 minutes. That made it difficult, but they were still leading. And then they lost two goals from the 79th minute onwards to get knocked out by Victoria Köln. Third division, Victoria Köln. Ole Werner, very, very unhappy. And you just sense, Christopher, I don't know what you feel about this, but this lingering uncertainty about Niklas Füllkrug. Is he going? Is he staying? Their main striker is probably not helping the situation. Um, Bremen officials have said that he could still leave. But, you know, with the season starting in a few days' time on Friday night at home to Bayern, it's not ideal. No, um, but, but what you could see is they have uh, they couldn't solve their defensive problems. Um, and, uh, I mean, we, we will talk uh, soon about another team that... <laughs> That uh, seems not to have solved the defensive problems, but um, yeah, if if you see these continuations over over the summer, and and um, so it's um, um, alarming, and uh, yeah, um, my feeling is that um, uh, or impression is that Werder will struggle uh, to survive this season. And um, I mean, same for Bochum, but that was uh, known. I mean, um, uh, they they are still uh, one of the candidates for relegation. It's interesting with Augsburg because they have some money. They had some money to invest, uh, rejuvenate the, the squad. Um, uh, we talked about it in our preview review series. So... Um, Uh, but let's see uh, if they also join uh, the group of candidates for relegation. But I, but now, I think 
we have to talk about the um, the other team that in spectacular fashion uh, didn't solve their defensive problems in summer, or at least it was like uh, uh, Groundhog Day for uh, Bayern Munich um, in the German Super Cup in the Allianz Arena, where they were defeated 3-0 by RB Leipzig. And um, how shocked have you been as a Bayern loyal? Uh, we should also mention that uh, for most big teams, well, actually for all big teams, apart from the ones we mentioned, it was a far more comfortable weekend. Dortmund, for example, they won 6-1 at 4th Division, shot Mainz. 8-0 for Leverkusen at 4th Division, Teutonia Ottensen. And Stuttgart, 4-0 at TSG Balingen, also 4th Division. Just among the teams doing well. Two teams who weren't involved in the first round were holders of the DFB-Pokal, Leipzig. And of course, the champions by Munich, because they were busy on Saturday playing in the Super Cup. And Christoph, you mentioned defensive issues. Now, they were very much on show in Munich because Bayern conceded some terrible goals, albeit with a excellent Danny Olmo taking full advantage for Leipzig. But they were beaten 3-0 on the debut of Harry Kane. Not exactly what was in the script. Christoph, as a neutral, how shocked were you to see Bayern this bad or perhaps as bad as they were for some spells of last season again? As you know, I'm not shocked if I see um, a Bayern as bad as they played on uh, Saturday evening because to me it's uh, always a bit of a relief because it creates some optimism that we might get another champion and, and so on and so on. So in, in this context, I was like, wow, that could be interesting this season. And um, and so so it's and, and also with the whole picture of it. So Bayern was 2-0 down, had a um had a had a good spell in, in the game, created some chances, and then 20 minutes from time, about 24 minutes from time, Harry Kane came on and was almost invisible. I'm I I I, I don't blame him for that. I mean he had just arrived uh, the other day in, in Munich and uh, probably didn't even know all the names of his of, of his new teammates. And uh, and, and and then there was a, a third goal. Um, uh, you mentioned Olmo, who he scored all of them. And uh, the score, third goal was a penalty. And you think, hey, guys, a penalty again. Last season, you, you had 10 against you in the Bundesliga. So, and then um, it was 3-0. Mm -hmm. Huge disappointment. Appearance, Thomas Tuchel. And giving a sensational interview where he simply said i don't know what's going on here uh, we, we he, he was saying we we come to the step we had a good preparation during uh, summer and we were well prepared we appear at the stadium and now when it counts 
We are back where we've been before, uh, four weeks ago. I think it's a bit longer. It's eight weeks or 10 weeks, but anyhow, it was exactly like, um, could, could have been, uh, the, the game at home against Leipzig, where everybody thought that they, uh, were throwing away the German championship or losing 3-1 in Mainz and, and with all the same defensive problems with Kimmich lo looking lost with a center forward, Matthias Tell, who, who was giving away the biggest chances, blah, blah, blah. And so it was like, uh, as if there had been no development. And, uh, I mean, for a Bayern fan, I think that must have been completely shocking. And, um, and I always, I mean, there are so many aspects. I, is it really Harry Kane? Is, is, is this the real, really the main problem that they need a prolific goal scorer? Or do they probably need something else? What's wrong with Thomas Tuchel? Why is he so open, so undiplomatic, also about his team? Rafael, what do you think? I mean, you, you see me, you see my, my, you see me, um, excited. I see you excited. And exactly. I was not excited. I was depressed. I was shocked. I was, I didn't know. I mean, I, I'm not sure it was necessary to go so hard on this team after this game. I mean, Tuchel really said, basically, this team is useless. Um, didn't, spell it out but he was basically saying they don't understand what they're doing I'm telling them to do one thing they're doing another thing they can't cope with the pressure and it was the kind of interview that you usually hear from managers when they're on the way out <laughs> when either the manager says I've give up or the club says we need somebody new because this guy is not connected to the dressing room anymore now that's not going to happen of course but Having seen glimpses of Bayern in preseason, I got the sense that there's a new spirit, there's a, a return of confidence, of creativity, that everyone wants to play, that they're all happy to be there. And there was very little to see from that. And Tuchel then almost sort of pushing the nuclear button <laughs> afterwards. Um Made let, it let, a full-blown crisis. Exactly before, before the season has started. <laughs> That's um, we we promised our um, listeners that this will be also a mailbag episode. So I add some um, some questions because uh, they are a lot of them are around Bayern. One comes from uh, Kunal Govinda. And he says, hi, guys, not for the first time. Tuchel had no explanation for the poor performance and said training went very well. Is there still a confidence issue in the team? Thanks. It definitely looks like it. It looks like it. Kimmich, I think, who's been unfairly treated, in my view, with some of the criticism, looked for the first time as if he's really affected by this discussion about him. Looked very half-hearted, insecure, low on confidence. You see it sometimes with the wingers. You see it maybe with the defenders making silly mistakes. But most of all, collectively, there isn't that sense of we are Bayern. Of course, we're going to win. We just play our game. We're just going to kill off the opposition. It doesn't really matter who they are. 
all of that seems to have gone. And every opponent now, whether it's a pretty good Leipzig side or as we saw last season when it was Köln or Mainz or whatever, every opponent seems to have lost that sense of awe and and fear of playing this Bayern team. And instead, the fear seems to have shifted towards the Bayern players. Now, I hope that this was just a one-off in the new season, that things will change. But as Tuchel said, it looked like a game from last season. And that is, yeah, really the worst possible thing to say before the new season starts. Um, <clears throat> Kunal also uh, had a, a question around Kimmich. And and I, I, I think uh, he makes a good point here. Do you think this whole number six debate is just a problem uh, of finding the right midfield partner for Kimmich? Or do you think Kimmich should change his game to help Bayern have a more mid, a more midfield stability and organization. And, and I add something to this question because that's what I was asking myself is, I mean, he has been playing this number six role for, for Bayern for quite a while. And now comes a coach who says, I'm not what you want. You are not what I wanted or what I, I would like to have there. And, um, I, um, my impression, especially of Kimmich, is a bit of, uh, he looks lost right now. Yeah, I mean, Tuchel has, has opened up a discussion that has been sort of bubbling in the background for a few years, but most of the time coaches never touched Kimmich. He was always the first man on the, on the sheet and of course he played one of two holding positions or if Bayern play with three then he's one of the three midfielders now Tuchel even named him as saying that he doesn't have that defensive thinking that defensive fight fidelity towards the position and that he wanted somebody else which is a is a risky thing to say when a, you might not get that player and then the players who are there thinking, okay, he doesn't really like us and what are we going to do? And B, the question is also, in my mind, when you're buying and you have 50 games, let's say a season, in 48 of those games, you will have possession, more possession than the opponent. Do you need somebody who is just a defensive midfielder? Or do you need actually somebody who is like the best of both worlds, which I think Kimmich can be, and which you have maybe five players in the world who can do a deep, lying playmaker position where they're also defensively strong. I'm thinking of Rodri or maybe Fabinho at his very best. But beyond them, do you need a player like that at Bayern who's just going to be fighting and running and and tackling I'm not sure. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. And I think Kimmich plus one is still the best option. But the plus one has been the problem. No one's been able to play at a decent standard next to Kimmich in recent years. We tried Sabitzer. I say we. Bayern tried <laughs> Sabitzer. Gravenberg doesn't seem to be making any improvements. Musiala sometimes has played there, which of course makes the... Dynamic, more attacking still, more technical. 
Goretzka has been in crisis and Tuchel doesn't seem to be a big fan of his. Lima has looked good in preseason, but yesterday, um, but on Saturday looked a little bit limited on the ball. But now to actually go and destabilize Kimmich, the one guy who in my mind has been a constant and has been performing at a top level throughout the last five, six years, seems a very risky, if not strange strategy on behalf of Thomas Tuchel. Um, Ryan Garza also has a question around Bayern and he, he, he writes to us, at the risk of sounding like a pundit on Sky or Doppelpass, is this simple? Uh, is uh, this as simple as a problem with the mentality of the players? And um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't talk. Maybe I wouldn't call it mentality because it's like you're not fighting enough, you're not giving enough. Blah, blah, blah. But obviously, there is some mental burden. That this team is carrying around, and also this, uh, which reason is mysterious for Tuchel and maybe others at the club, uh, that seems to hinder Bayern players to play the top level constantly uh, in 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 recent months. Um, yeah, how, how how would you call this problem? Would you call it a mentality problem, or what is it? Or is it is it uh, just rubbish, pundit rubbish, and there are structural problems that are much more important? So right now I would call it a problem of confidence, as we discussed. I think, and you can say that is that is mentality, but it's perhaps that portion of the mentality that you cannot yourself influence so much. Once you lose it, it's maybe hard to get back. It's won by playing well, so it's a bit. A circular argument you know the moment you play well you gain your confidence then you play well more and going forward or vice versa it becomes a negative uh, loop and the worse you play the the worse your confidence is i think that seems to be for me the issue having seen Bayern, especially on saturday there's something else that a person close to the dressing room mentioned to me which is there seems to be a lack of fun inside the dressing room Players who feel that they want to be there, that they're enjoying themselves, that they like to be with others, that they have a very positive body language, that they just are sort of big characters, a little bit loud, a little bit infectious with good, you know, good mood. And I think that was one of the reasons why they targeted Carl Walker, because they felt that he would be this kind of guy that would, would bring that into the dressing room. And that's something I think that you, Christoph, picked up also talking to one or two people at uh, in Munich uh, last season. And that could be a factor. And if you add Tuchel, who's been pretty harsh with his team throughout preseason, very demanding, very unforgiven, maybe just isn't enough positivity around the dressing room at the moment. Which brings us back to Harry Kane, though, because Harry Kane, and I think that's the reason why he played, even though he should have, shouldn't have played. I think the idea is also, of course, he's going to be a fantastic player, but just by having this guy, the dressing room momentum will also shift and everyone thinking, okay, 
Um, and you say it's not might not be the biggest problem, but in a way it might be the biggest problem because if you have a guy who scores one or two goals even when the team doesn't play well, it can actually paper over a lot of cracks and just keeps you going and making sure that you don't have to worry about winning the game every single every single week. Yes, they might have other issues, but I think the biggest issue is not winning or not winning enough or not scoring enough goals. And I think that will change once he's fully fit and then Bayern can work on the other things along the way with much less pressure. A little theory here or idea. This, that this club has won 11 championships in a row. Maybe it's also tiring or it's, it's because, I mean, to win the German championship normally or any championship in any or winning any league is the ultimate aim it's is something special but now it's it's so for, from a bayern perspective it has been kind of devalued you almost have to win it if you don't win it you're a loser you failed you're whatever um Pro and 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 these a lot of these guys are there for quite a while. Might that also be an an aspect that over time is adding to what we have been talking about right now? Yes, it could be. But then, what's the alternative? I mean, if you if you tell these players bring in new guys, yeah, Loads. if you tell these players it's not really that important if you win the league or not. I'm not sure that's going to be motivating. You saw, Christoph, last season when they very nearly didn't win the league, what a crisis it was, how the club felt like it was tearing itself apart over, for once, not winning uh, the title. And the huge upheaval that we saw 10 years ago when, when Dortmund won a couple of, of titles, you know, Bayern made all sorts of changes and there was a huge drama and Heinkes very nearly didn't stay in his job either. So I don't know if, if that's a bad thing or a good thing that anything but winning the, the Bundesliga is seen as, as unacceptable. I guess we never know because it's not going to change. Uh, be, before we um, leave this Bayern uh, track, there was a, a, a via Twitter question by Tom and I, I, I didn't know about the story. So so I, I, I read it to you. Why was Alfonso Davis agents so mad about Brazzo being sacked I completely missed the story what's what, what's it I think what Tom is alluding to is is Alfonso Davis agent saying now that Brazzo is gone we have to renegotiate everything and who knows if he's going to sign a new deal it felt more like to me as if you used the opportunity maybe to keep your options open a little bit ah, okay Okay, okay. That's my reading of the situation. I might be wrong. There might be a deep personal relationship between those people, but that's that's what I got from that. Um, we got a, another question that's more general uh, from Pete Charland. Which club summer transfer business do you like the best? For me, it's probably either Leipzig or Leverkusen. Um, Uh, secondly, and that's uh, connected to this, Raphael said on the last pod that he can't wait to watch Niklas Seiwald. Um, Christoph, is there a new signing you are excited to watch? Um, yeah, 
So this are the questions from Pete Charland. He also about uh, asked about Niklas Füllkrug that we already talked about. So um, transfer business by Leipzig didn't look bad, <laughs> I would say. No, of course they they had to strengthen after losing so many good players: Soboslai, Seiwald, Leimer, and Guardiol. Also Andre Silva going on loan. So it's it's basically a whole well half a starting 11 they need to replace and they bought some really interesting players we saw some of them in action on Saturday uh, Seiwald I really love as I said but I think Xavi Simmons looks interesting um, up front Loyo Penda looks really fast and interesting I think this could be a very very interesting team there if Marco Rosa manages to to make them a unit but the player I would really like to see and we have to say as we record this uh, this is not done is uh, Bonucci going to Union Berlin. <laughs> It has a little bit of a vibe of the uh, famous Isco non-transfer, <laughs> but apparently it is a possibility. And I think it would be fantastic. I mean, um, being asked uh, um, about this, uh, the signing I'm excited about, I mean, um, here I am, a mainstream man. I, I'm excited about the signing of Harry Kane. I'm, because he's, he's he's simply a fantastic player, and what I found uh, what I found interesting when you read the reactions in German uh, in 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 England, I think it's a bit like surprise about Harry Kane. I mean, he has always been with Tottenham since he was 11 years old, playing there, never winning anything big, blah, 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 blah. And now he's playing for Bayern. And all of a sudden, he look, looks like a world star. Uh, um, or, or the And and um, and he is. And I'm, I'm really, ex really excited uh, to, to see him. Um, in the Bundesliga, I, I think it will create a lot of interest for, for the Bundesliga abroad. Maybe even for us. Maybe we have to talk about Harry Kane now five week, uh, five There'll minutes. be a Harry Kane special every week. Okay. For subscribers. No, I, th I, I think, you know, we can't deny that Harry Kane will rise to, uh, raise the profile of the Bundesliga. Yeah. And that can, that can only be a good thing. Even if it comes at the expense of a real title race, because if he scores 35 goals, it's going to be hard, <laughs> yeah. I think, for anyone to compete. But, you know, Bayern maybe can concede also 35 goals um, at the same time as he scores his, and then we'll have a net neutral. Who knows? Yeah, and and I think he, I mean, it's it's a risk. He's 30 now, and, and he is not... I mean, they can't sell him on, uh, and and so on. But but I think as much as I'm I'm a friend of the underdogs and uh, with an eye on the small teams and interested in 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 their fate and so on. I think the Bundesliga also needs great great names. I'm, I mean, players that everybody w wants to to see. And um, I think the Bundesliga has done a, a very good job in in developing this these players. Um, but uh, I think it's also good to to have uh, a player like Harry Kane coming in. Yeah, and you know, talking of players that everyone loves to see in Kunku, I forgot when I listed all the fantastic Leipzig players, the best one of all, 
Yeah, and then so so this this the Bundesliga has lost some terrific players this summer. Jude Bellingham, who scored on his uh, league debut uh, for Real Madrid, uh, a, a great player. But maybe um, uh, in the run of the season, we will think, oh, great. This team or that team has developed a um, a fantastic guy, and again you're right with Bonucci probably coming to uh, to Union. It's a it's a it would be a typical Union move, a surprising th thinking outside the box, uh, starting in their first ever Bundesliga uh, season with uh, uh, Christian Gentner and Nevin Subotic. Um, uh, they had. Won German championships uh, with other clubs and uh, helping Union. Uh, then Max Kruse, I, I think he was transformational for Union. Isco, the deal that never happened, was uh, was uh, fitting in the same pattern. And now Bonucci. And um, they are still keen on uh, signing Robin Gosens. And uh, so let's see. If that eventually turns out, it's going on longer than the Harry Kane uh, story now. And um, yeah, so exciting, exciting things to come next next weekend when the Bundesliga starts Friday with Bayern traveling to Bremen. Yes, very, very exciting. Of course, Beer and Honey will be looking back at all the exciting events on Monday. Uh, do tune in then. And just a reminder that you can become, of course, a Beer and Honey Supporters Club member or an Ultra, even better. And as we said in the beginning of the show, if you sign up until Monday, you still pay the regular price. Afterwards, prices go up by 20% across the Steady platform, uh, but existing subscribers, existing members are not affected. So I think that is a great opportunity to, yeah, Help us out a little bit, if you can. Thank you very much in advance. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say thank you and bye-bye. Thank you and bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast.